Hey everybody, Zach here. People often ask me where I go to learn about what's new and next in enrollment marketing. And I tell them that most of my learning actually comes from following thought leaders on social media and then trying to convince them to come on a podcast and share their insights with me. And that's actually exactly how I met my now friend, Matt Diddlegen, who is the co-founder and CEO of Glacier. Glacier is the leader in high school advertising for higher education. Matt has been on the podcast a few times now, Some of you have probably listened to one or more of his episodes, and every time I interview him, I'm just amazed by what he and his team are up to. So I finally convinced Matt to become an official Enrollify partner, which means I get to tell you all about why I love Glacier. Glacier offers the largest high school advertising network in North America. This unique platform allows higher education marketers the opportunity to place massive billboard-style ads directly inside feeder high schools leverage influential students as brand ambassadors, and layer in a robust digital advertising component. They are actively writing the book on how to use micro-influencers in enrollment marketing and how to generate ROI from social networks like Snapchat and TikTok. Anytime I want to know what works and what doesn't when it comes to digital advertising to high school students, I call the Glacier team. If you are ready to take your high school recruitment to the next level or want to learn more about how Glacier can help you, you can visit their website at weareglacier.org forward slash enrollify to check out their free resources or to schedule a chat with one of their team members. Again, that's weareglacier.org forward slash enrollify. And be sure to tell them that Zach from Enrollify sent you. All right, guys, thank you and enjoy this week's episode. Gen Z culture moves incredibly fast, and it's only increasing in the rate of its acceleration. Higher education moves comparably slow, and therefore, there's often a disconnect between higher ed and prospective students. Everyone in higher ed wants to know what strategies and tactics work best to recruit this next generation of students. And just when folks think they've got it, preferences seem to change. Welcome to Signals, a special series on the trends, indicators, and Gen Z behaviors shaping the future of higher ed digital advertising, brought to you by Glacier and Enrollify. I'm Zach, founder of Enrollify. And I'm Matt Diddlejan, co-founder and CEO of Glacier, a digital advertising agency specializing in youth marketing and higher education. You can subscribe to this series and access other podcasts, e-courses, videos, and more at enrollify.org. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Glacier, head on over to weareglacier.org forward slash enrollify and download one of their epic white papers. All right, without further ado, welcome to the show. another episode of Signals in Enrollify podcasts that we are producing in partnership with our friends over at Glacier. I'm Zach Founder of Enrollify and my co-host today, as has been my co-host for this entire series, is Matt Diddlejin, who is the founder and CEO of Glacier. Matt, welcome to the show. Zach, what's up? Great to be here again. Super excited for this one. 
Yes, and Matt and I are joined today by our new friend, uh, Andrew, who is the founder of Gen Z Brands. Welcome to the show, Andrew. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're pumped for our conversation today. And as Matt and I were just telling you offline, we've spent you know several episodes at this point. I think this is episode eight, talking about sort of the future of Gen Z marketing, talking a lot about how colleges and universities can just do a better job of engaging this next generation, which, you know, has a unique set of preferences like all generations do. And when we stumbled upon, I think I stumbled upon you on LinkedIn originally, and I was really excited about some of the content that you were posting and began stalking your profile and just realized that you've done a little bit of everything and you are also super, super young. So I'd actually love in order for our audience to just get to know you a little bit better, if you could just take a moment to talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you have done thus far. As I, as I mentioned um, to you earlier, looking at your LinkedIn profile, I would have thought you were 10 to 15 years older than you actually are, simply because of the number of experiences that you had. So walk us through like a, a you know, couple of your, the experiences that you've had that you think have been especially influential in your professional journey thus far. For sure. So I guess a, a quick elevator uh, pitch on the, on the background. So I'm 23, just graduated college in May of 2021 from Vanderbilt University down in Nashville. Grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and I guess going into sophomore year of high school is kind of where my entrepreneurial slash just interest in, in doing things differently started. I was a soccer player and, and also kind of noticed that there was a, a disconnect between philanthropy and, and sports within high school. And so started a nonprofit to, to help 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 bridge that gap that was a great introduction in many ways and and and, and many failures too to the, to the world of entrepreneurship and from there you know got into college and did a couple other kind of side hustles and tried through that to, to really build a good foundation of skills between working with startups working with bigger companies trying to get a, a taste of, of what you know business looked like and that really led me to i guess junior year of, of college i was studying abroad uh, in London, got sent home from COVID. Internship was canceled for the summer. You know, yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, obviously there was a lot of other things going on in the world too. But at the time, it was like, you know, what um, what else can go wrong? And then then there was the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, and it was very clear at the time that um, brands were not listening to young voices. There was there were being a lot of insensitivity in the air, and that's when that's when I, I started Gen Z Designs. It was a it was with the goal of, of bringing Gen Z voices to the table in a, in a new and unique way. And um, to be honest, it, I thought it would be a summer project. I thought I'd go back to school that fall and just like forget about it, but ended up catching some wind, took off that fall from school, kept working on it. And, and after wrapping things up at, at Vanderbilt, started full time. And I guess what, eight months later, here we are. Wow. That's a, that's an incredible story. Thanks for walking us through that. Just quick follow-up question. Sure. You seem like you're pretty entrepreneurial. So, you know, if you're, if we were to ask, if Matt and I were to sit down with some of the people that know you best and ask them to just tell us a little bit about Andrew Roth, what else would they say beyond he starts a bunch of random projects and sometimes they actually work? <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. I would say, um, not one to to follow tradition, whether that's you know in class or outside of class. I've never been one to 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 do what's expected. Um, also, very curious. People would probably say mm -hmm. I I like to, I like to paint, like to read, 
I'm actually uh, in Lisbon, Portugal right now, just because I was I wanted to go move abroad while I could and work remotely. So here we are now and just kind of booked a one-way ticket and see what's happening. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I guess, who I am. And I'm sure they would have some other things to say that I probably shouldn't include on here. But, but uh, <laughs> for, now, for now, I'll leave you those at that. Can you just talk to us a little bit about Gen Z designs, what you all actually do for clients? So you walked us through a little bit of uh, the founding story, but like if we were to you know, if Rollify or Glacier were to hire Gen Z designs, if we were to be, if we, this was like a sales call, like what would you be pitching us in terms of the kind of services that you offer folks? Sure. So we are a research and innovation consultancy focused on Gen Z. So really two parts to what we're doing. One is helping to bring Gen Z voices to the table through research. We have a network of 50,000 plus Gen Zers that we tap into, that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis through polls, through open-ended questions, through uh, interviews, focus groups to really understand and get a at the heartbeat of, of culture. And the second is through kind of consulting and, and working with brands on an ongoing basis to help really understand how to take some of the data and take some of the insights and apply that to the work that they're doing um, and the activations that they're launching and the strategy that they have to over the next you know, five, 10 years to really build loyalty with this generation. I think the the approach we're taking is pretty different. Being Gen Z, it's not just a, a, a kind of claim to represent the authenticity of what we're doing. It's also about the change methodology we're taking to to approach the industry, um, research mm. in in our opinion is a pretty outdated space in terms of how they how it's approached with a younger generation. I mean, I know for a fact I don't, and I know my peers don't really want to sit through a thirty question survey answering about you know, and and no one does, and in general, but especially Gen Z having such a short sort of short attention span, and if they're doing it, they're on TikTok or watching Netflix at the same time, and so. <laughs> that's kind of the, the core concept of how we approach this. And so when we work with this network of Gen Zers, we have, we run social media polls. When we look at the idea of brand health tracking, we've, we've taken a new approach to that with a Gen Z score, where we really help to measure a brand's cultural relevancy and replace that with, with replace those survey questions asking, you know, how likely are you to re refer this brand to a friend or to buy this brand or replacing that with analyzing user-generated content online, you know, what people are saying without being paid for it and, and what's influencing culture today. And so through all that, we, we work with brands directly to really bring those voices to the table in a unique way and help to, to shape some direction and strategy for their future. And I I was looking through your, your website there and you've worked with some really impressive brands. Can you, can you tell us about some of those? I, I think our audience would love to hear that. Totally. And a couple are not quite updated on the site yet, but our first uh, first major brand project was with Chipotle. Myself, a really big fan of Chipotle, so it was a really exciting opportunity to work with them. They approached us in, in, in 20, early 2021. We ran a project with them looking at the rewards program that they had, helping them to understand you know, what does Gen Z look for in a rewards program? How do we apply that specifically to their their kind of upcoming changes they were making? And so that was a really amazing project, having an opportunity to work directly with their you know, like VPs and their team over there. Um, and from there, we've done some awesome work more recently with, with Denny's is kind of one of our, one of our main clients right now, um, yeah, helping them to, to, to really get reintroduced to the Gen Z audience, build some loyalty and kind of help turn, turn that, that franchise around into a, to more, uh, more culturally relevant brand. Andrew, quick, uh, quick follow-up question. So Matt and his team actually work with, so in, in higher ed, it's, TikTok is is really just becoming a platform and a network that folks are starting to pay attention to. One of the things that you should just know is that higher ed is typically, you know, five to 10 years behind every other industry in terms of its adoption of new marketing strategies, tactics, platforms, et cetera. Uh, so Matt, I'm, I'm curious if you have any 
if you have any uh, questions for Andrew around their audience, their, you know, their pool of, of 50,000, you know, Gen Z, Gen Zers that you might want, you know, want to tap into some of his, his thoughts or, or advice on how to kind of nurture that community. Cause I know that you guys have one uh, as well, that's specifically focused on helping higher ed understand, you know, how to get their messages in front of in front of Gen Z, specifically through through TikTok in culturally sort of like relevant and compelling ways. So any any questions for for you know the expert himself here? Yeah, I mean, how much time do we have? Only questions. I guess the the first question I'd have for you is, you know, you've, you said you've been around for about eight months. How did you build such a large network so quickly? Fifty thousand is no small community. How did you build such a large community in such a short amount of time? Our approach is to research is to, to, like I said, turn it on its head. And so this community is actually kind of a, a peer-to-peer network at scale. So when we launch these, when we work with with brands, when we when we run research, we work with ambassadors that are not necessarily influencers, but people like me that have you know a thousand followers on Instagram that you know, from high school, from college, people I know and, and people that know me. And Instagram has these features where you can launch a poll on your story, right? And, and people can respond to that. And so when we when we activate different ambassadors in our community. The, the questions that, that we're launching actually go to a, a much wider network of people that, that they know and that they trust. And so we, we you know, have built this kind of tiered, you know, my network and then the network of other people at, at building this at scale, you, you get to 50 and you know, I think now we're at 60, 75,000 people. And so I guess from, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a, a nurtured, you know, TikTok or Instagram community itself, but we're using social for what it is. You know, we're using Instagram yeah. for, for what it's meant to be. And I think that's again this idea of we're, we're we're doing things differently. We're not looking at the ways that tradition has been done. That's actually so similar to how we do it as well. We have a network of <laughs> youth ambassadors, and we get them to send out surveys or anything like that. So it's very very similar. So I'm just I'm curious what the you know what the general sentiment is right now with COVID happening, like any or or yeah general sentiment towards COVID, or if there's any general sentiment towards higher ed in general too. Oh my gosh. Well, there, there's my sentiment and then there's the, the general sentiment of, of, you know, a generation. I think, I think just looking at um, the people that are, are in college right now, it's, it's just terrible, right? I mean, like the, the way that students are experiencing their mo- the most important and most fun years of their life is not how it should be. And, you know, my, like I, my junior year, most of my junior year and senior year, all of senior year have just gone, right? And, and I think when you, when you look at like what that does to someone, it's not insignificant, right? It, it changes if you, you know, you yeah. all remember your college days, everyone remembers theirs and, and it's, it's going to play a really, a role that I don't think we, we will see for a while, but it's going to play a pretty significant role in, in how our generation continues to develop. And that's not just for the people that are currently being affected, but for the ones that are coming in, you know, the, their expectations have, have been changed. I think now that there's this, that people have been accustomed to online learning. It doesn't necessarily mean that they want it, want it or enjoy it. And I think there was already before the pandemic hit this, this longing for uh, nostalgic, you know, period of life, the, this longing for going back to the eighties, the nineties. And I think that's only grown stronger since because now tech is just necessary. Like we have to be on zoom, we have to be doing this. And so it's going to change totally this, this landscape for higher ed. You know, I think, I think you're seeing some universities try and adapt, but it, like you guys said, it's, it's a, a little bit slower to move, which, which makes sense. But, um, at the same time, we're seeing this massive drop-off, you know, there's, there's people that are not necessarily sure they want to go to school anymore. 
and like I don't blame them you know I really don't with the resources we have available on YouTube and on on Twitter and and Google it's it's a Google search away from starting a nonprofit from starting a for profit and and no need for a four year degree so so well said Andrew and on this podcast, one of the things we love to do is spend a lot of time helping schools, helping sort of the ambassadors within colleges and universities that really do understand the importance of education and and want to change it, right? Like the people that tune into Enrollify are change makers. They're folks that believe in, like they're saying yes, yes, yes right now, like as they're listening to this podcast on a run or in their car, right? Based off of the things that you're that you're saying. And I'd love to, what I want to do now is sort of transition and talk a little bit about some of the research that you all have done, some of the learnings you've garnered from the most influential Gen Z brands. And I think what would be super fun is to have you spend a little bit of time talking about these different brands um, that do have great rapport with Gen Z. And then Matt and I can sort of like riff on what learnings schools, you know, can, can take away from from these trends and and from this data. And I think our hope is that like you can share, you know, Matt can share, I can share sort of hopeful, you know, ideas and uh, takeaways so that for folks that are serious about like, no, we believe in the importance of education. We want to reimagine what higher ed looks like in the future that they might sort of, you know, garner at least a little bit of inspiration or a little bit of specific tactical advice that they can go and kind of apply in their own context in, you know, weeks and months to come. Sound, sound like a, you know, good plan of attack here. Perfect. And I'd love to, awesome. if we if we could, I'd love, yeah, I'd love ahead, Andrew, for you to start with your methodology and how you went about this to begin with, because it was really, yeah. it's really interesting methodology when I hadn't seen before. So I'd love, I'd love to, if you could start there and then, and then jump into the brands. Totally. So the way we've, we've created a, a top 25 and then the way we, we do a lot of work with brands is through what we call the Gen Z score. And this is our measure of, of a brand's cultural relevancy. And it's built around this idea of, you know, we ask the question, what does influence mean today? How do you influence a Gen Zer? And what we, from our research, from our understanding of Gen Z, we know that is through user-generated content, right? And so like, it's it's not necessarily, I mean, yes, influencers do it, but when, when someone uses their own platform to share their own opinion in front of their friends, in front of their peers to the whole world, that says something, right? And so, when people are doing that to say something about a brand, like, you know, it's one thing to say that about their friends that they're hanging out with, but when they say that about a brand, I mean, it's, it's important. And so well, we're, our, our yeah. stance is how do we, how do we measure that? Right? Like, obviously this is a really important thing. So how do we, how do we calculate how much there is, what people are saying and, and, and what it all means. And so the Gen Z score is a measure of really three different factors related to that. There's sentiment. So you know, is it positive? Is it negative? There is recency. So when, when was it said? And then there's popularity. How you know how popular is it? How, are people really agreeing with this in, in numbers of likes, in numbers of comments, in numbers of shares, and, and are, are they disagreeing with it? And so through all of that, we, we collect a lot of data. Uh, in some, some cases, there's millions of data points that go into these scores. At the end of the day, it gets normalized on a zero to 100 scale. And we have uh, a number just like you had a test grade in, in, in higher ed or you know whatever school you're in. And and you know you get a number and you want to know what your friends got on the on the same test and so that's kind of how how we operate and, and how it how it works at the core and so when we when we took a look at at in i think it was september of, of 2021 you know we, we scored probably hundreds 200 200 brands uh, and, and we took the top 25 and put them together in a list here that's brilliant and i i love how you use user-generated content basically seeing 
what other people are saying about the brand. Is it positive and, and how strongly are they speaking about the brand? I think that's absolutely brilliant. So kudos to you for coming up with such an interesting algorithm. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 One of the, one of the things I noticed, I, I downloaded your, I think the 2021 most influential Gen Z brands was the most recent report. I know you guys are kind of working on a, another one right now as we speak. So I, and I actually read through it. And first and foremost, I, I love the strategic formatting of like the, you know, every sentence begins with like a lowercase as opposed to like a, a, a capital letter. And like, there are just some like Gen Z like stereotypes that are like thrown into sort of how the, the report was architected, which I appreciated. So well done there. But I really, I was really struck by your forward, Andrew, and it was, it was so well written and I read it and I was like, geez, like if this isn't like a catalyst for what's happening in higher ed right now in, in higher ed brands, like, I don't know what it is. And I, I just want to read it for, you know, verbatim so that our audience is sort of all on the same page here. So you write in this, in the forward of the 2021 most influential Gen Z brands, Quote, we're approaching an age of borderlessness, of ambiguity, where definition itself can do more harm than good. The most innovative companies reject the notion of definition and instead seek uncertainty as a competitive edge, experimenting, adapting, and moving at the frequency of culture itself. And this is just like it's so well written, and I think that these these sentiments just ring super true with, you know, the challenges that that higher education is facing right now. So, I'd love for you to just walk through some of the, you know the brands that stand out most to you as a part of this collection of twenty five, and maybe highlight one or two things that you know each brand has done to either gain or retain Gen Z's attention. And then what I'd love is I'd love for Matt and I to talk a little bit about like what application, if any, there is to higher ed that one of these brands has, has been able to do so well. Does that sound like a good, a good plan? Yeah, sounds great. And, and thank you for, thank you for reading that. I appreciate that you, you took the time to, to get dive in. I gotta ask, what is that when you, when you say we're approaching an age of borderless ambiguity where definition itself can do more harm than good. What, what really spawned you to write that? Or what does that really mean to you? Cause I, I think I understand what that means, but I'd, I'd love to hear what you think, Andrew, because it's really profound. Thank you. Um, I, I think with a lot of the, the changing technologies that, that we're seeing on the forefront of culture right now, whether that's Web3, Metaverse, NFTs, what we're observing from not just the brands that are doing it, but also the response from Generation Z is that the ones that that leap into that kind of forward facing with knowing that they may fail and knowing that there may be some mistakes, but also acknowledging that there's an opportunity to really play these big. And it's not just those technologies. It's, it's things like TikTok as a platform, right? It's like the early adopters on TikTok are beyond successful right now with Gen Z. I mean, something as simple as, as ocean spray, right? Like very more traditional company, but when that moment happened, they took advantage of it and now they're uh, you know, changing, it changed their world. And so when you look at those things, it's, it's, it's this, Technology is going to continue to change and culture is going to continue to move at a speed that is unprecedented unprecedented, and, and will get faster and faster. And so in order to, to truly to truly make a difference and truly engage Gen Z in a different way, you can't abide by the borders that exist and you have to break them and you have to you have to be flexible. I, I love that because what I have seen personally in my own work with with colleges and universities on TikTok is the ones that have the most rigid brand guidelines 
and the most rigid rules around their brand are the slowest to adapt to TikTok and their TikTok is not going well at all. And the ones that, that are open to a little bit of that ambiguity and putting their brand out into the ether, so to speak, they're the ones that are absolutely crushing it. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a really interesting observation to make. And sorry, Zach, I know you, you really want to get to the, get to the brands, but I, I had to ask you some clarification no. on that. No, that was that was incredibly important clarification, and I love your I love your answer to to Matt's question, Andrew. I just I think that what also just strikes me is in colleges, we, colleges, and universities right now, like higher ed has been has never been more competitive, right? And higher ed is under a lot of scrutiny, right? Like from lots of angles. You've got, as you mentioned before, you, you it's it's no joke. Like there's a real phenomenon going on right now where where people that are your age are questioning the value of college, right? And like, do I want to spend all this money for these four years and, you know, graduate and, and then enroll in a workforce that I'm not that excited about anyways? Like what, I, I like creating content and I'm actually pretty decent at it. Like, what if I could make a career out of this, right? Like the rise of the creator economy is is hitting Gen Z unlike, you know, any other generation, but it really does pose this, this threat, I, I would go as far as to say to, to sort of like traditional methods of education, traditional approaches to education. And I think that this, that higher ed right now has a big question. There's a big question mark like looming over the in, industry. And I think that that question mark looks something like, are we willing to actually differentiate ourselves from each other? Like, are, are we willing to be bold? Are we willing to, you know, put ourselves out there? You know, and I, I think that the competitive advantage that many schools will need to default to because the, the programming, while I might get shot for saying this, like the programming, you know, among a lot of institutions is not dramatically different, right? And so like, how do you do a better job at differentiating, differentiating your product when your bachelor's of business administration isn't dramatically different than the bachelor's of business administration down the street, right? And I think the way at least a way of differentiation is going to be being the first program to have a really interesting, compelling TikTok. like being the first program to be loud and specific about this is the kind of student that has the best chance of thriving in this program and, and not being too afraid of potentially isolating other, other persona groups. Right. And all of these things, I think are incredibly important for higher education to be considering right now. And so I appreciate that you're, that you're teasing this out, that you're. No, thank you. And, and I think, I mean, you're, you're spot on there and it, it is a real challenge. And actually we, we should have another conversation, you know, with the three of us, another point, we actually, we did some work uh, earlier on with universities a lot and, and have recently moved away from that. But, but I think what we saw where it was this, yeah, I mean, there's universities that are, are, are jumping in and there's ones that are, are being very hesitant and, at the end of the day, what, what, why we why we talk at Gen Z Designs about cultural relevance is because that's what's what, when you create experiences at your college, whether it's through program programming, whether it's through I don't know, I mean, the experience on campus, that gets people talking, yeah, and and, and that gets people making YouTube videos. You know, one of my one of my friends at from Vanderbilt, Elliot Choi, has like got his career making Vanderbilt day in the life videos and and it influenced thousands of people that will apply to the school and increase their and change their enrollment rates like because he had a great experience there and and that's what's that's what this is about that's why we we have a culturally relevant score and and 
don't know. I think I think it is it's like it is it's really important for universities to they don't just think about this as a trend. It's going to change their they, like they're going to lose money. They're going to lose enrollment. They're going people are not going to get an education because of because of what's happening. Andrew, why don't you lead us through a few of the brands? Folks can we'll, we'll link to the actual full report in the show notes if anyone's listening and wants to kind of follow along. Download the download the Gen Z report, and you can you know look at look at some of the data in there as well. But Andrew, what are some of the brands that stand out to you most, and what are a couple of interesting takeaways from each of these brands that our audience should be aware of and and be considering as a possible application in their own in their own context? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll pick out a couple, not necessarily in in any order on here, but. Um... I think the first one that comes to mind that, that has actually become increasingly relevant, at least in, in the news, is Roblox. It's a platform that a lot of young Gen Zers are using as a, as a gaming platform, but also as as we're seeing brands experiment on it as a way to interact interact with those companies and those brands. And I think there's a lot of reasons why it may have taken off. You know, part of it could have been COVID, and part of it, I think, is just this this increasing fascination and and immersion in these virtual worlds, but um, it's it's people are spending a lot of money and a lot of time in Roblox, young young Gen Zers, and and that's always an indicator that that there's something happening there. And so I think for us, as we looked at that, we saw it as a, as not only a, a brand itself that that is creating relevance and causing conversation, but as a, as a brand that in partnership with others can help spur that too. I'm curious, when you think about how the brand positions itself, are there any like specific observations that you have had where you think, wow, the way that they did this or the copy that they used there, or, you know, the way that they responded to this cultural phenomenon on Twitter there, like, are, are there any kind of specific tactical things you could point to as like, Oh, that would be, that's interesting to watch. Sure. I mean, a lot of their, again, just this specific company, a lot of their work comes from collaborations. And so like, for example, they, they had Bill Nas X on, on Roblox in a virtual show. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, obviously he's a massive figure and I'm not necessarily expecting that from, you know, Michigan State University, but like the, the idea is, you know, they're, they're, they're working with people that are, are culturally relevant. They're working with icons in culture that, that move move emotions and sway the decisions of, of a generation. And so I think between that, they had a Stranger Things collaboration with Netflix, which was obviously an influential show there. I think so, so really a lot of their, their work's coming from, you know, collaborating with, with others, but yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And can you explain in like 30 seconds or less what Roblox is? I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, myself included, I'm not very familiar with Roblox. If you could just explain, you know, what it is in 30 seconds or less, I think that would also be really helpful. Yeah, I mean, it is a, it's an online platform that people go to to play games. It is really what it is. A lot of the games on there are actually created by users. So it's kind of this idea as the metaverse gets talked about more and more of user generated content, but in, in gaming form. So, you know, you, you can go on and create an account and, and create a an experience for others to participate in and actually earn money through that. So it's, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's very similar to the, you know, the Minecrafts of the world, but kind of a, a slightly different approach. Fascinating. Thanks for that clarification. Yeah. Yeah. And is there, is there any opportunity for higher ed to really, because you know, there, there, it's not a small amount of users. Would you say 
37 million views on the little NOS X digital experience? Like, is there any, can you think of any opportunities for higher ed to really get on there earlier or actually have a presence on there? Yeah. And I just, I just did a quick search on in August, 2020, 164 million monthly active users. So not wow. majority, majority of which are, are vast majority are Gen Z, but yeah, I mean, I think like some, something as simple as, um, like college tours, right? You know, obviously you can't go a lot of places. You can't fly, go to campus. Like what if you can go check out the dining hall or a dorm room in Roblox and it's not hard to make, you know, you work yeah. with their teams to, to create it or you work with a creator on there. And, and all of a sudden you have this virtual representation of, of Vanderbilt university or, or, you know, whatever school you want within this platform that people can go to, can visit can get merch for their avatars, right? They can, they can start to, 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 to actually, in, like in, engage with the brand through there. Maybe you talk to a, a Roblox avatar that's actually an ambitions counselor or someone through the platform, and all of a sudden you're having a real conversation. And then yeah. ten years down the road, you're wearing VR glasses and you're having that face to face, you know, and the audio is coming through in live time. So it's a starting spot, but I think that's a simple, you know, a simple spot to, to look at. That's a really interesting idea, especially I, especially since I know a lot of Gen Zs have complained about the poor digital campus tour experiences from universities and colleges. And I think doing, doing one, doing a tour or something on a platform that they're already using, what a, what a brilliant idea. Yeah. What would also be interesting. I'm thinking like game design programs or like other like specific programs doing some sort of, you know, sponsoring of one of these live events and, or, you know, just finding ways to collaborate and promote like, hey, we're, we're culturally relevant in that we understand like SMU, for example, Southern Methodist University, I know has like a pretty like well, well-known game design program. And, you know, they should be advertising yeah. here uh, or, or they should be, you know, partnering and creating some sort of experience or content. It just reinforces to the user, oh, wow, these people are culturally relevant. I'm not going to go to this program and be, you know, working through case studies that are 25 years old. Like, we're, I'm talking about, you know, what this means, what UX user experience, what game design looks like and, and how it feels yeah. today and, you know, 2022. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's great. That'd be awesome. All right. What, what are some other, what are some other brands that uh, stand out as part of this report? I think, let's see. I think Reddit deserves a, a, a place in the conversation, at least, especially for the, the university's sake. I know Reddit is a place that a lot of Gen Zers are going to, to learn to get be informed and to talk to others to build community and, and I know when when we made the report one of the reasons it was on there and it stood out was just the role that it had in you know the financial revolution that's going on and I think um, as universities look at this there's not a lot of uh, you should probably know better than me I, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of universities that are really engaging students in this space but it's 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 it literally changed the entire financial market. And so I would question yeah. how, you know, why would you not be looking at this space as a, as a, as a marketer in higher ed, because it's, it's revolutionary. So question for you on this one, cause we, we do social media usage surveys and, and research all the time and Reddit, it's always consistently, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it's like less than 20% of Gen Zers that actually use Reddit. And so you know, we, we never really recommend it very strongly to include in, in a campaign or, or in strategy because there's just so few Gen Zers actually using it. So, yeah. but, but I, I totally see what you're saying. I mean, the Wall Street bets thing was, 
yeah. mind blowing. And I, I, I read the, I followed that religiously just because it was so fascinating. And so, yes, I agree. It, it influenced culture substantially, but, but how do you, you know, can you speak to the usage statistics and where you see its role? Totally. And this, this, um, I'm glad you asked. So we, we just ran a, a Gen Z screen time report where we, we got um, screen time recordings from hundred Gen Zers on, on what apps they're spending time on, uh, how much time they're spending. Uh, and Reddit was um, only 6% of Gen Zers had it in their top 10. So, you know, probably about 20%, like you said, are, are using it on, on mobile at least and, and 6% are, are power users. But those people who had Reddit in their top three apps on their phone, they were spending an average of 12 hours a week on it, which is right behind TikTok, like barely right behind TikTok. Wow. Actually, maybe it was YouTube. I wanted, I think it was, yeah, right behind YouTube, right behind YouTube. So it is like, there are not as many users, but the, of the people that are using it, it's it's what they're spending every second on, right? Any data too around like the persona groups here of like, I mean, I have an idea of who the, you know this looks like, but like any any data you guys have on like what specific kinds of Gen Zers are are this active on the platform? Yeah, I mean, I think the active ones, like you said, are, are, are like you um, inferred, are, are most likely young, kind of younger males. But I know I know yeah. there are a growing population of females on the platform, and I think the idea of of it as a, as a platform is is you know finding your community, and there's all these different subreddits that are out there, and um, certainly some that are most likely more popular with with young females, and so you know I think I think the yeah the the, the most common base right now is certainly on heavy male just because it's kind of where the platform started, but growing changing quickly. Yeah, and I wonder if you could comment on how you think or what is, what is unique about the platform that is so addicting or not maybe not even addicting but so engaging. You know what what is it about the platform that makes these users want to spend 12 hours a week on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not one of the, the 12 hour users, but I, you know, I, I know that it's, it's, it, I mean, A, it's anonymous, right? So like there is the sense of, of protection and, and trust that, that's, that's there that's not really on these other platforms. You know, you don't have to be afraid of the interest, interest you have or, or people you're talking to because it's not, a, there's no identifier, right? And so immediately that creates this, this kind of, just level of security that you bypass and level of authenticity that that is is there but it's just it's just it's 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 very it's very relevant right like there's your feed is always being updated from the different communities you're in and i think i think it's for people who like to be for gen zers who like to be involved and integrated and feeling like they're a part of different things it's it's where you go i yeah i'd, I'd love to to talk i'd love for you to keep talking about some of these other brands and you know, specific, one of the things that I find super interesting is like, I think at least maybe it's all maybe, well, I think maybe everything except Starbucks, Venmo and Tesla in, in your report. So like 70% of, of the brands that Gen Z respects, appreciates the most that brands that have the greatest influence over Gen Z are content brands, right? Like You've got Netflix, you've got Disney, you've got a PlayStation, you've got Xbox, right? And obviously that, you know, gets into gaming and whatnot, but it'd be interesting to just hear your thoughts uh, on this stuff that you've noted in this report and, or even just, you know, observations beyond it around like the power and the influence that 
brands that are primarily focused on content creation and experiences have over Gen Z? Yeah, I mean, that is, is the, that's the question, right? I, I think <laughs> content is, is, is currency. I mean, like it's, it's where we are when you pick up your phone, when you go on your computer, it's what you're looking at, whether it's from, it's from a, a brand, it's from a friend, or it's from uh, an, a platform, like a, a university. I mean, it, that's, that's how we, how we spend time is through, it's the medium through which we're spending time. And the more engaging content, the content that, that, ends up creating action is is the is the most valuable and i think that's the game that everyone's playing right that's the game that netflix is playing with their algorithm that's the game that hbo is playing and watching harry potter reunion and getting people to to watch that like i did a couple times you know it's like uh, <laughs> content in, in order to, to create that content it's about understanding the consumer and what drives them and so it's why these companies are spending so much time on their algorithm it's why you know it's why it's that is the core of who they are because content fuels time and, and time spent is, is money. And that's a really great observation, Zach, in that so many of these brands are content platforms or, or what have you. Do you think that there's going to be a trend where the universities and colleges with the best content are going to become the, the leaders amongst, you know, they're going to become the most favored universities and colleges amongst Gen Z. Is that, is that going to be a trend that we're going to see? I would say yes, with a slight modification being they would be the most relevant brand, relevant universities to Gen Z. Right. I think, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily expecting, you know, the Yale to get out there and, and to, to, to show all their content, but it's certainly like if I'm seeing content every day from, Arizona State, like it's going to be top of mind as a place I think about, right? Or you know, I'm from I'm from Ohio, and you said Zach, you're in Columbus right now, and like if Ohio State University was was putting stuff out there every day, and I'm observing it and watching it, I would have applied for sure. You know, I didn't even apply in the first place because it just wasn't something I was interested in. But like, if it's top of mind, it's just it, it it gains a different type of advantage. And yes, there's other things that they need to do to earn the favorability part and earn the loyalty part and actually earn the application and, and the and acceptance but that's where you have to start so yeah i i would say yes what a just to piggyback on that a little bit and you know this is totally anecdotal and i i wish i actually knew the answer to you know these to this question but i don't i wonder i wonder i i, I guess i imagine that we, if we look 10 years ago right and we think about sort of the the brands that were most influential to millennials, right? And specifically older millennials, like the brands that come to mind, again, I don't know if this is actually true or not, like our, our brands like, you know, like Nike or even, even brands like, you know, Under Armour for, they had like their shining moment, right? Like uh, a pair, other apparel brands, even, even Facebook, right? Like as, as a social network, the, the, you know, influence that that had as a brand and the positive, like, I, I still remember the days when people had nothing but great things to say about Facebook, right? And like, that's just changed so dramatically in, in recent years. But like, I think we're, I think what's interesting is if, if any of that is true, it's interesting to see this generational shift as, as Matt kind of pointed out. And, and as you've, as you've noted so nicely, so neatly here, Gen Z, the brands that they have the strongest affinity for and, or that have the strongest influence over them are, you know, digital content consumption brands, right? As opposed to 
physical kind of like apparel. And of course, you know, those, those things like make their way into this report a little bit here and there as well. But like, it is just interesting to see this, you know, Netflix has a 100 on your Gen Z score, right? Like that's incredible. And I think even, even a decade ago, like content was powerful, but the, the influence that it has today over an overarching brand's perception is, is just unprecedented. And I think that that is like a, a worthy note to make as, as schools think about their own spend, right? Like their own acquisition channels. And the big question I think for hired marketers is, Hey, how much of your time is spent creating Disney and Netflix like content and experiences, or what does it actually look like to have some experience that is even somewhat akin to PlayStation or Xbox when it comes to folks touring your campus or what does it look like to gamify the application process a little bit? Anyways, there, there was a lot there, but just a, just an off-the-cuff observation. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's spot on. And I think like the, what you're observing about, you know, 10 years ago to today, it's, it's in some ways as simple as, I keep saying this, but time spent, right? Like 10 years ago, people weren't spending time on their phones as much. People weren't spending time in front of screens. They were spending time walking on the street and seeing people wearing Nike and Gucci and, and all these different brands. And now the time is being spent on TikTok. Now it's being spent on Netflix and now it's being spent through content. And so it's just like where people are seeing things differently. And so one of the reasons why Nike is still on the report, one of the reasons why we still have some of those is because they've adapted their strategies to, to not just be the brand that you see on the street. It's the brand that you see in Roblox. It's the brand that you see in, in shows, yeah. right? I do want to, I want to throw a Tesla in here again. We'll, we'll go rapid fire. Not necessarily because Gen, and this is fascinating. Just Gen Zers aren't, purchasing Tesla, right? Like maybe one or two whose dads did really well, right? But like they're not, they don't own Tesla. So, so why is it on there? It's because of the, the idea of a influencer led company, right? The idea that Elon Musk is such an influential mm. person. And we're seeing that with other brands. It's not just him. It's, it's, you know, the, the D'Amelio's launched their, their skincare brand and, and all these, all these creators are launching you know, Beast Burgers and all these different things that these people are, are, are running through themselves as a channel. You know, he has he has built this level of influence that Tesla is now like the most desirable car. If I'm if I have enough money one day, I will buy a Tesla. No questions. The trade offs. I'm not, I don't even know anything about. You know, I'm not super knowledgeable about cars, right? It's just this idea that that's how it. It's culturally relevant, right? Okay. Yeah. Continuing rapid fire here. Quick question. Sorry, sorry. Just to interrupt a little bit, only because you mentioned Elon Musk, major cultural icon. But like, one of the things that I've been wondering, just selfishly, is like, does Gen Z use Twitter? Like. I like I spend a, a lot of my social time on Twitter and I a lot of you know the people that I interact with spend way too much time on Twitter and I've tried to pay a little I've tried to do a little bit of like research to understand like is is Gen Z actually active on Twitter in the way that like millennials are what in your research like how much time um, do you exact spend on Twitter? Answer for you there, based again on on our on our <laughs> recent Screen Town report, twenty eight percent of Gen Zers had Twitter in their top ten most used apps. On average, people are spending about fifty three minutes a week on it. If you want to get seven seven seconds, and uh, yeah, I mean it, again, it's it's there were let's see, there were five percent in the top three uh, with Twitter. So so basically, I mean there's there's a, a decent core of users okay. that, that, that are using it, and of those in the top, you know, three percent. Uh, the top pe- other people who had in their top three, they were pretty heavy users. It's not quite as much time spent as as the other platforms, and overall, it, it came in I guess seventh place in our in our in our screen time rankings. But um, you know, it's used. I, I would say a lot of Twitter, yeah. a lot of tweets are seen on Instagram, uh, just through screenshots, and even 
you know, LinkedIn or other other platforms, but it definitely holds, you know, as we saw with the 2020 election and, and, you know, previous to that, it holds power regardless of whether we're using it or not. Starbucks, I think that's a really interesting one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, their rewards loyalty program is, is one of the main reasons why they're on here. They just create this, this insatiable love for the brand that in many ways is fueled by that program. They've, they've had a, some massive success with that. I think they now have, so many people have money in, in that app that they basically use it as like a loan. <laughs> they built their own bank through, through the amount of people that have money and points in there. But also now they're, they're looking to experiment with that. And, and, and I think now you can redeem, they did, an ex, they did a collaboration with Canada, I think Air Canada, where you can trade points for like airlines points. They're just on the cutting edge uh, of rewards programs. And, and that's not to say that like, I think the application to higher ed here is how do you reward your most loyal students? How do you reward and engage with your most loyal advocates? And Starbucks does a better job with that than anyone. I don't know what, you, what you're thinking on this, Matt, too, but just like, I, th I think about like alumni, right? And like how most schools just do a really shitty job at engaging their alumni and, and helping their alumni actually transform into ambassadors for their, for, for their schools. And, you know, it would be, it's a, it's a far-fetched idea, but not too far-fetched. Like, what is, what is the application here for, for alumni? How do schools build alumni referral programs and whatnot to, you know, just essentially create really qualified ambassadors? Yeah. Yeah. And as you look five years down the road, those Gen Zers that are in school now are going to be the same Gen Zs, but they're going to have power and, and, uh, and authority. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the, the correlation of higher ed. You know, do you hire, I, I've never seen a loyalty program in higher ed or anything even remotely. I've seen some apps come up and, you know, blips on the radar trying to do something similar. But I think there's a, a real opportunity there with, with some tech platform or if some university comes out with a, a way of getting points or something where, I don't know, you attend games or you show school spirit or you do these things, you get points, you can use them towards the bookstore or tuition credits or who knows what. I, I think there's a real... There's there's a real opportunity there. I I have not seen anything yeah. like that though in this place. And that goes back to the the cutting edge stuff. You know, it's it's those brands, those universities that will take the take the gamble on that. Give yeah, it a shot. Absolutely. So cool. Well, last one I'll I'll, I'll throw here is uh, is Spotify. Um, Spotify is if you are on Instagram as a Gen Zer when Spotify Rap comes out. It is the only thing you will see on Instagram <laughs> or Snapchat or any other platform. Right. You know, music obviously is, is a powerful feature and force for any generation, but I think for Gen Zers as a way to show identity, it gets thrown around and displayed in every single place we can. But they're, the, what they've done through the platform to to allow us to engage with them in different ways, I think is, is pretty special. You know, like the integration just with Instagram, being able to, to throw it on your story there is, is, is awesome. We actually just are about to come out with a report in the next week or so here. We took 600 screenshots of, of Spotify wrapped playlists from Gen Z. So we have the minutes listened to the top artists, top songs and top genres of, of a gender based on people putting on their Instagram story. Wow. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool. I unfortunately will not give a sneak peek here. Well, do it. Do so they're it. Listening to a lot. <laughs> listening to a lot of music. We have about 133 minutes per day of, of streaming on Spotify, and so we're we're, we're going to be diving into you know obviously who who that's who they're listening to, what artists, what songs, but also where and when. And I think 
it's gonna be really cool. I'm excited for that to, to come out soon. But you know, as you look at the the platform, you know, music is is fundamental. And I think I remember my experience at, at Vanderbilt. You know, we had some artists come on campus. We had you know ways to engage with them there. But there, I think that's where the ball stopped. It was just the live experience. So my question would be, you know, how can you how can you engage and create music, uh, you know, through the university or with the university in in different ways? But I'll leave that up to the, the two higher end professionals here to to dive in. I think that's that's really good insight. And I think that that'll be really crucial for higher ed, especially on TikTok, you know, because TikTok, so many, so such a big factor of how videos go viral is choosing the song or, or choosing the, the soundtrack that, and just keeping up on the trending videos because of the, the trending song. So I think that'll be really interesting information for higher ed to keep, to keep that in their back pocket for when they're creating content. Yeah. For sure, and, and what you're saying—the I mean, last thing you're seeing—is that the the these people that rise to to fame through music and through Spotify, through TikTok, I mean, through sound and audio, are are building massive influence you know, through these platforms. Yeah. Um, like there there was a TikTok song um, or TikTok audio A B C D I forget A B C D E F or something. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and now she's you know, famous. She's changing her life through TikTok, but now through Spotify. And, and, you know, it's, and like, I don't know how old she is, but what if she decides to go to school? And where does she go into school? Right? Like, how many people are going to follow her there? So, you know, interesting things to think about. Andrew, this has been incredible. I really, really appreciate your time. Um, Matt, I want to give you like one final opportunity. If you have any like final question for Andrew before we, before we bounce and, and let him go. But, I just want to thank you, Andrew, for, for your time and the work that you do. We'll have links to uh, your social profiles, to the Gen Z Insights Most Influential Brands Report, and the Screen Time Report, and any other reports you want to give us links to. Um, so if, you, if you're listening to this, and I just want to learn a little bit more about what Gen Z Designs is doing and or access some of their free research, uh, scroll on down to the show notes, and you can find these content resources. But Matt, any final question or, or parting thoughts um, before... Before we sign off one final question for you andrew is universities and colleges they're they're always looking to get feedback from gen z or get insights or ideas or whatever it might be do you have any advice for them on how to do that better bring them into your marketing team meetings bring them into your those are your students right those are the people that know your school best and they're living the day-to-day and they're also your best marketers so put their voices where they deserve to be and let them let them have that and give them control. I think there, I can't remember what TikTok account, but there was some New York State University that let their students just like run wild on their TikTok account. And I mean, it was it was like questionable content, but hey, people are talking, I know it, you know, now I know about it. People are talking about it and and here we are. So let them, you know, that's that's the whole whole idea of what we're preaching. You know, give, give us a chance to, to talk and, and we, we will. Love it. Thank you. Wonderful, yeah. man. Hey, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Matt. Um, this has been uh, a pleasure and keep doing the great work that you all are. And we, I think we're just going to have to schedule like a recurring conversation because I have like 2000 more questions. We didn't have time for <laughs> today. So let's get something else on the book soon. But until then, thank you both. 